Hey folks, yesterday, following public outcry around proposed cuts to the U.S. Postal Service months before the November election, Postmaster General Louis DeJoy testified before the House Oversight Committee, and sparks flew. Meanwhile, Steve Bannon, former Trump campaign chief and White House strategist, is speaking out against his indictment on allegations of fraud by the SDNY, calling it a, quote, political hit job, end quote. And John Durham, the Connecticut U.S. attorney, tasked with investigating the origins of the FBI's Russia probe, has secured his first conviction. Anne and I discuss all this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, including the newly launched United Security and Cyberspace podcasts, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. College students with a valid EDU email qualify for a discount. Head to cafe.com slash student and sign up at a lower rate. Again, that's cafe.com slash student. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community. So last week, we spent most, if not all, of our time talking about the U.S. Postal Service and the Postmaster General, about whom much has been said. Louis DeJoy appeared at two hearings. Last Friday, he appeared in the Senate. And yesterday, Monday, August 24th, he appeared before the House Oversight Committee. Did we did we learn a lot from Mr. DeJoy, Anne? Well, we did, I, we did not learn that much, aside from learning that he actually doesn't know nearly as much about the agency he runs as you would expect. And let's let's break that down in a minute. But remember that after we taped on Tuesday, the Postmaster General made a statement saying, I'm going to delay the changes. He didn't say he was going to undo the changes he had made since he came into office in June, but he basically said, I'm going to hit pause. Um, I think you might have talked about that a little bit. And you've No, you've I, do you know out. this? I, I had to, because it kind of undid some of what we talked about, I recorded that's a disclaimer right. while I had no power. Power went out in my house. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so so we then came into Friday's hearings with the Senate, basically with this idea of, okay, DeJoy is going to explain what's happened and what hasn't happened. The, the things that I think are worth noting are, number one, that even though he's committed, you know, he said he's committed to prioritizing ballots. But he wasn't willing to go back and undo the work that he'd been done, that that has been done, the things like taking sorting machines out of commission. He did stop them from taking away other mailboxes, but he did not commit to putting them back in the place where they were before. And and what also has come out is that there really have, if you if you just look at the numbers, the mail delay really does correlate almost exactly with his starting in office. And so what troubled me about the hearings, and particularly yesterday's hearings, is that he said, I don't, like, he basically blamed other people for all of it and said, you know, stopping overtime was in the works for a long time. I, I didn't do it. He was asked by uh, Representative Katie Porter who did it, and he said, I don't know. I mean, it just sort of, it, it just belies like credibility for him to be up there as the head of the agency. He said a couple of positive things. I don't know how much to credit him, but he did say he supports mail-in voting. He also did say, quote, As we head into the election season, I want to assure this committee and the American public that the Postal Service is fully capable and committed to delivering the nation's election mail securely and on time. He said that before the Senate. There's a big difference between words and deeds, though. Yes. But one other thing he did also say that I think was important is that as a rule, and again, it's like, you know, you don't get points for doing the right thing, but but it's still it's still welcome news. 
for years, the Postal Service has treated ballots, absentee ballots, whether they're being mailed or being sent in as first-class mail, even if someone hasn't paid for that level of service, that level of speed. And then this year, they said for the first time that they were not going to do that, that if you bought sort of bulk mail rate to mail out an absentee ballot, a mail-in vote, uh, voter ballot, that they would not treat that as first class, which had been the practice. So he also reversed on that and said that anything election-related, they'll treat as first class mail, which w- should mean that it gets delivered more quickly. So that was also positive. Again, he's the one that made that change to sort of put that in jeopardy. So I don't know how many points we should be giving him for going back to what was the status quo. But it's still important to note that there's been a lot of public pressure. People love the post office. People need to get mail, medication. And this was a victory in some sense that it did appear, at least to me, I don't know what you thought, it did appear to me that like the scrutiny has has made a difference and he's he's stepping back from some of the more more drastic changes. The problem still to me, though, Preet, is like, he basically said, like, we'll authorize overtime as necessary. Well, who gets to decide what's necessary? And there's just so many pieces that feel to me like, you know... Yeah, I, I worry that he just, he said what he needed to say to sort of save himself. And some of the rhetoric was good, but the proof is in the pudding, as they say. And look, and on, on sort of concrete measures, he flatly refused to do certain things, like Democratic Representative Stephen Lynch said, will you replace the 600 some odd sorting machines that had been removed? And he just said flatly, no, I will not. Not putting them back. And I don't quite understand why not, if they're capable of handling huge amounts of, of mail in an efficient way. Another thing that was troubling to me is that when Representative Katie Porter, and you know, we, we talked about it, she'd said she was coming prepared, and she she definitely did come prepared. She asked him, you know, how many vote by mail ballots were there in the last election? Yeah, so Anne, we, we, we previewed what we thought would be the case when Katie Porter came time to ask her questions. As you said, she said she came prepared. And afterwards, she tweeted, spoiler, DeJoy did not. And I think we should actually showcase some of the back and forth between Porter and DeJoy. Do you want to play the part of Representative Katie Porter? I would prefer that part, yes. (laughs) (laughs) If I get to choose, yes. You know, next time we do this, I want to play the good guy. (laughs) Okay, we'll, we'll swap. What is the cost of a first-class postage stamp? 55 cents. What about to mail a postcard? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I We're getting so to the laughing challenge say. early. What if I want to mail one of those greeting cards that's a square envelope? <laughs> I'll submit I'll submit that I know very little about a postage stamp. Do you know about within a million or so? Can you tell me how many people voted by mail in the last presidential election? No, I cannot. To the nearest 10 million? I would be guessing, and I don't want to guess. Okay, so Mr. DeJoy, I am concerned. I'm glad you know the price of a of a stamp, but I am concerned about your understanding of this agency. Could you please tell me who did order these changes if you as Postmaster General did not? If you did not order these actions to be taken, please tell the committee the name of who did. I do not know. <laughs> that about that about <laughs> summarizes Case closed. Case closed. That about summarizes, you know, how it went. And I think the issue here to me is it's just, first of all, 
it's incredible to me that you would show up for a hearing like this and not be prepared on all of those things. But put all that aside just for a second about, you know, terrible government service where the people should demand and expect a, a higher level of, of knowledge. The problem is that, you know, if he'd come in and just started running an agency in even, at, you know, in June and walked in and said, look, I don't know all these things. If he hadn't made changes, we would give him the benefit of the doubt, right? We would basically say, okay, well, you don't know those things because you just started. But the fact is he's dramatically shifted the organization in, in serious ways that have led to a spike in mail delays. And for him not to be able to then answer those questions, it's like, what did you base the changes you made on if you don't know anything about the agency that you run? Well, what's, we should talk about strategy for a minute because we're both lawyers and spend time in the courtroom. And we think, both of us, that Katie Porter is very effective. Part of what made it effective is that she exposed the ignorance on the part of DeJoy. And I've been wondering, and I've been waiting to ask you this question, what if DeJoy actually did know the prices of the stamps and he did know the numbers of people who voted by mail? That's something that members of his staff you would think would have prepared him for, if not prepare himself as the head of the agency. If he had known the answers to those questions, would they have come off a sort of petty gotcha and made the whole session much less effective? How do you think about, you know, just as a pure- Like Q&A, legal question? You know, cross-examination. Yeah, it's a great yeah, question. It's a strategic question. You're thinking with your staff, you know what? I bet this buffoon doesn't know anything about the agency. I'm going to ask him the most simple questions about the prices of stamps. And you would think a member of the staff, I would have said, well, yeah, Congresswoman, that would be very effective, but you know, maybe he does know. How's that going to look? What do you think? So I think, look, we haven't, we've seen her question a, a few times that I've really focused on. I haven't watched enough to know the sort of depth of her ability. So I want to, you know, sort of caution that. But but now let me tell you what I, my immediate takeaway was. These are kind of questions of like, well, how much do you really know? Like, how connected are you really to the agency? And by the way, if he had answered 10 or 20 of these in a row, I used to do state legislative testimony on our budget. And, you know, the more questions you can answer correctly, the more people know, like, oh, they know their stuff and, you know, they sort of move on. So she, And they lay off. And they right. lay off. So she, would, she, probably have, she would have throttled back. But don't you think that, like, I think she had a bunch of lines of questions set up. And another one, which is this, you know, who basically the decision about cutting overtime. And that's a great example of like a cross-examine a cross-examination avenue because at the end of the day, like there's a direct correlation. He cuts overtime. Seniors are waiting. Like there've been all these testimonials. There's there's data that shows the mail delays have gone up. There's all this anecdotal testimonial qualitative evidence that seniors are saying, I had to wait for my mail. I had to go put money out of my pocket instead of getting it through my health insurance because the mail didn't come in time. And so you know, ultimately, that's a very winning line of argument. Here, it became really interesting because he was basically like, I didn't do it. I don't know who did it. So he looked completely incompetent. But there's another version that that could have gone where he said, yeah, I authorize that because I think people are inefficient and I want them to be more efficient. So if I cut overtime, I think they're going to be more efficient. And then you go through cross-examining, like you're willing essentially to have an 85-year-old person who needs heart medicine go without that medicine. And there's no other way you can improve the function of your agency. And by the way, what's your proof that this is, that the overtime is what's causing the inefficiency? So I think it would have been a much more complicated 
train of cross-examination, but that, you know, there were a few points that are just really, the facts are irrefutable. Um, And so, but again, I think I go back to my initial point of like, how prepared was she? Like, how able would she have been able to do that? But I think, I wonder if you agree with this, she knows how to ask the second and third question, right? Yeah, because she listens. Yes. She listens. I mean, questions are short. There's another example. We also previewed how we thought, I think we mentioned this, how AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would do. She doesn't have legal training. She gets mocked by Republicans for having been a bartender. I think she is one of the most effective questioners in the entire body. Mr. DeJoy, you've received about $1.86 million in rental payments uh, from your former company, XPO, correct? Uh, Approximately, yes. Have you taken any meetings with XPO Logistics since becoming Postmaster General? I have not. Have you emailed, texted, called, video conferenced, or communicated with your former company, XPO Logistics? I have many friends at the company, and I've spoken to them casually uh, uh, over the last several months. Yes, I probably would have spoken to them. Thank you. She's like taking a deft deposition, and I mean that as a very high compliment. And she asked, she, she, had, she had, I think, mostly you know, trained her fire on one topic, and that is meetings that DeJoy might have had with people from his former company because there's perhaps a conflict of interest. And she asked him repeated questions about his calendar, whether he keeps a calendar, who has access to the calendar, whether he will provide the calendar to the Congress. And it wasn't showy, but it actually has the effect of being, you know, you know, kind of dramatic because there's simple focused questions getting to facts. Yeah. And she you know, pinned no him down and he said, no, I won't provide it. And so again, when you put all this together, he looks like they, I think were effective at making him look like he doesn't know what's happening at the agency or he's lying about that. One or one of two things, either which is bad. And he's not willing to provide the kind of transparency that the legislators are asking for to know, like, look, what's really going on. Like you say that you're going to be mindful of conflicts you know, how how often are you seeing these people? And I think that that they both were very effective. I agree with you. Now, I guess we go back to the same point, though, which is he did his time. He went before the Congress. The House passed a bill basically called Delivering for America Act, asking for an additional $25 billion funding infusion for the post office. It sounds like McConnell will not take it up in the Senate. But the one thing that was interesting is that some Republican House members switched sides and voted for that bill. And that's something we have not been seeing a lot of. And so I think that- Yeah, I think 2026, 20, right? Yes, that's not, and I think the post office- Not a ton, but it's not small. Yeah, everybody needs the post office. Everybody relies on the post office. And so I, I guess the question in my mind is, I guess there are three questions. One is, has he already done so much damage that there will be problems with voting? Two, does he stay true to his word in basically saying he's not going to make additional changes? And three, you know, will it be, if if anything goes wrong, will it be too late by the time we find out? So something else happened since we last taped. And I went in and did, I had to do it on my own because you were taking some well-deserved days off. Thank you. I taped uh, 15 or 17 minutes about... The indictment of Steve Bannon and three others. And I know it must have caused you some pain. I hope you've enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. Interested students with a valid EDU email can head to cafe.com slash student. To the many of you who have chosen to join the Insider community, 
Thank you for supporting our work.